The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. All right. I think everyone has a study sheet. Uh, we're going to continue our, our series on the Christian life with the benefits of, of good doctrine, with the benefits of doctrine. Um, la- so far uh, in this subsection of our study, we've looked at good doctrine matures the believer. And uh, we've looked, uh, last time we looked at good doctrine ministers to the believer, and we looked at many aspects of that. This morning I'd like to continue with number three, and that is that good doctrine magnifies God in the life of the believer. Good doctrine magnifies God. Let's pray before we get started. Father, we come before you now, and Lord, we're, uh, we're sinners saved by your grace, and uh, we need your wisdom, we need the knowledge of your word, so we pray today that you would instruct us, pray that everything that I will say will be useful to edify the believers, and Father, I just pray that this time would be spent to glorify you. Thank you for these things now, we ask you to bless it in Jesus' name, amen. In Titus chapter 1 and verse 9, Paul writes, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine uh, both to exhort and to convince the naysayers, or the gainsayers, I'm sorry. Uh, by sound doctrine, Paul said. He's talking to Titus here, and he's talking about the man of God. And he, he says that, uh, that the man of God would be faithful to the word of truth that he has been taught, and that he would, he would uh, use the sound doctrine that he's been taught to exhort believers and to convince the gainsayers of their need for the Savior. Um, of course, we know that our doctrine will reveal itself in our life. Now, as I've already explained, doctrine is, is simply stated teaching. Uh, and there are many doctrines in this world. The scripture itself talks about doctrines of devils and doctrines of demons and, and there are false doctrines and, and there are good doctrine. Uh, so we, we, we understand that when we talk about doctrine, we're talking about instruction, we're talking about teaching. So um, if we have good doctrine, it will, be, it will reveal itself in the life that we live. Consequently, if we have poor doctrine, it also will be revealed by the life that we, that we live. In Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20, Solomon stated, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. So it's, it's easy to understand. Good doctrine yields good lives. Poor doctrine le- yields corrupt lives. And we see that all over America today. Today. We see, we see false teaching and false doctrines permeating our, our country, and we see the result of that in the lifestyle of people and in the decay in our country of the, of the moral fabric that, that was used to found this country. We see that it's evident, uh, and, and this all stems from corrupt doctrines, from people being taught the wrong things. So 
it's very important that we understand how important our doctrines are. Now, consider for a moment the false religions of the world. I said that good doctrine magnifies God in the life of the believer. Now think for a moment about all of the false religions in this world and all of the false doctrines. Who here can honestly say that the true nature and spirit of God can be seen in these false doctrines? I mean, think about it. Islam. Do we, do we see the true nature of God in Islam? Taoism. Buddhism, Mormonism, even the Jehovah's Witness, all these false doctrines. We, don't, we do not see the true nature and spirit of God in these, in these teachings. Now, I do not desire to attack any person uh, this morning. Uh, I simply desire to teach the truth to all that are present concerning good doctrine. I grew up in a religion that is steeped with heresy and its doctrine. It's a religion that receives much respect in the world, uh, even among many evangelical believers. This religion is highly respected, and they even many of the evangelicals even allow these, these ministers from, the, from this religion to come into their congregation and teach their doctrine to, to them. And of course, I think you probably know who I'm referring to, I'm referring to the Roman Catholic Church. Can the true nature and spirit of God be seen in the doctrine of the Roman Catholic? It is a doctrine that glorifies and honors the creature, Mary and Joseph, more than the Creator. It is one that attributes equality with Christ to Mary. Uh, matter of fact, they, they claim that Mary was immaculately conceived, the immaculate conception. They say Mary is the queen of heaven. And, and they give all these, all these um, deistic attributes to Mary. And, of course, Christ is somewhere in their list of priorities, but not, not up close up to the top. And, 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 uh, and I, I attended Catholicism till I was 12 years old. And, and made my, what they call a confirmation. And uh, the bishop came and slapped me on the face. And my dad grabbed my arm before I returned the favor to him. But um, it's, it's a false religion. It's a cult. And it's time that God's people stop considering it to be a Christian faith, because it's not. Now, are there Christian people in the Catholic Church? I think so. I think there are God, some of God's elect people are caught up in that confused doctrine, but, but they've never been taught the truth. They've never been taught right. But is the doctrine itself correct? No, it's corrupt. It's a cult. It's, it's wrong. And we need, to, we need to preach out against it. Uh, it is a doctrine that keeps our risen Savior on the cross and demands a daily sacrifice unto God. They call it the Mass. And every day they crucify Christ anew. Uh, it is a doctrine that gives intercessory power to men. Men that the Bible states are laden with infirmity. In Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 28 it says, For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity. But the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the Son who is consecrated forevermore. And 
this religion makes priests of the basest sort of men. We, we all know that. I mean, it's no, it's no mystery. You've, you've seen the news over the last several years of, of the people coming out talking about how the Roman Catholic priests uh, violated them and, and all the wicked things we see happening uh, in, in the, in the uh, Vatican and all these other things. So it's, it's no mystery. Now, one's doctrine, if it will be true doctrine, must magnify the name of our great and mighty God. If, if my doctrine does not glorify God, then it's, it's not worth listening to. So we need to make sure that the doctrine that we adhere to is a doctrine that magnifies the name of God. All that we teach must, must exalt the name, the work, and the person of Christ. And when we follow good and right doctrine, God is manifested and magnified in our life. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, Paul writes, According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Those are great words spoken by Paul. And we as believers often want to quote those words. But the question is, is Christ magnified in our life? Does my life, does my life portray the glory of God? That's all of our, that is every person here. That's our responsibility. My life should bring honor and glory to the name of the Lord. Now, this world today is all about self. We see it all the time, self-promotion. Self-indulgence, self-glorification. The philosophy of the world is, is, is uh, all about you. And everybody else is, is just in your way. Right? Am I wrong? Is that, is that where, the world, where the world is today? It teaches young people that it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks or, or says. You do whatever you want to do. It's what has caused... Bathrooms in our public schools to become uh, co-gender because boys and girls have a right to decide which gender they are, whether they're male or female. It's a society that puts the need of the individual ahead of the need of, 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 of everyone. But doesn't the Bible tell us that we're to consider, consider others better than ourselves? That we're to take into consideration how my actions affect everyone around us. But people today do what they want to do regardless of what it does to anyone else. Over the years, I've tried to consider what my actions would do to my wife, to my children, to my church. Have you ever, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about what, what your actions will do to those around you? 
One of the points I used to try to drive home to our teenagers when I worked with them is that every decision has a consequence. Every one. And it doesn't matter how small it, is, it may seem. Every decision you make bears a consequence and leads to another decision. And over time, your life can become either a blessing to those around you or a real burden to everyone around you. So, the philosophy of the world is is self-first and everything else secondary. But that's not scriptural. And we're going to talk about that as we, as we develop these thoughts. And, and, and Matthew, uh, and, and this, this self-indulgence, this self-focus of the world has crept into many, many of our, our religious organizations in, in America. And, and I mean, listen to these TV evangelists, don't do it, but listen to them for just a few minutes and you'll realize that their doctrine is all about self. It's not about God. Matter of fact, these TV evangelists can probably go 20, 25 minutes without even saying God or without even emphasizing God. It's all about you giving to them and God blessing what you give to them. (laughs) Right? My father-in-law several years ago had surgery and my wife and I traveled back to be with him and... I, as he was laying there in the hospital room, <clears throat> the TV was on, and, and one, of, one of his relatives is, a, is uh, of, a, of a group, uh, well, it's Pentecostal. And she had the TV on a, on a TV preacher who was talking about giving your seed gift, your seed money. Send, you got $1,000 in your savings? Send that money to me, and God will bless it and multiply it. Yeah, right. I thought to myself, what kind of foolish people follow this? So we need to understand the world seeks to make merchandise of, of people. And, and this is permeating our churches in America today. And, and we have to be careful about what we let into our minds. In Matthew 24, 24, we read, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders. Huh? Benny Hinn? Benny Hinn's healing people on TV? But let him do what Jesus did. Let him, let him put an ear back on. Huh? Let him take a leprous person and, 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 and cleanse their flesh right before all to see. No, it's always a migraine. Or, or something that can easily be faked. For they shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, now listen to this, they shall deceive the very elect. And a lot of God's children, a lot of elect saints are deceived by these false teachers. Why? Because of poor doctrine. Because they're not taught correctly. Because the truth of God does not live and dwell in their hearts and minds. You have children today? Make sure they're in Sunday school. Make sure they're sitting down listening to the teaching of God's word. You have teenagers? Drag them in. Make them listen. Don't, don't let them, don't let them uh, fall asleep in the pew. It's so important. It's so important that we have 
the right doctrine. That we be taught the right things. Um, these false teachers are promoting corrupt doctrine. And it's very important that we measure our doctrine. Listen, you, you, shouldn't, even come, you shouldn't come even to Berean and just sit in the pew and, and, and just accept every, anything that comes across to you. Because if it does not agree with God's word, then it cannot be true. It's just an opinion. And here in Berean, we don't teach opinions. We change our opinions to agree with the word of God. We don't change God's word to agree with our opinions. I can't tell you how many times over the years of, of studying to teach that I was, that the Holy Spirit revealed to me my opinion was wrong. So I changed my opinion to agree with the word of God. And I made sure my family understood that my opinion was wrong and we need to fix it. So it's very important. Doctrine is so important. And, and we take it so lightly in America today. We don't even give it a whole lot of thought. But it is very important. Now, considering how important doctrine is, and considering that good doctrine magnifies God in our lives, what should our life show concerning the true doctrines of Christ? I have three thoughts I want to share with you and we'll be done today. First, letter A, is the word agreement. Agreement. Our lives should agree with the word of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17, Paul writes, Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. I mentioned just a moment ago, I, I know a lot of Christian uh, people who claim to be Christians who, whose opinions do not agree with the word of God. And they attempt to justify why they, their, their behaviors do not agree with God's word. Let me just say, all of our decisions, everything we do should be in agreement with God's word and principles. We should be noticeably different from the world. Now, in the 34 years now that I've been in the ministry, I've noticed the, the separation between God's people and the world diminishing, dwindling. So many of God's people today are getting so close to the world, it's difficult to distinguish them from the world. And that's not the way it ought to be. We ought to be noticeably different from the world. Um, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, Peter wrote, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, I'm not talking primarily here about the external, okay? I think we should, I think we should, should present ourselves in this world 
in a manner that honors and glorifies our Father. I do think that. I think that we should, we should strive to, to, to be a representation of the decency and, and the morality that is God. But that's not what I'm talking about here when I say that we should be noticeably different. We should be different in our thoughts. We should be different in our, in our doctrines, in our philosophies, which will make us different in our behaviors. Um, I jotted down right here, football fans identifying with their teams. What, what, what do, it's not hard to spot when you look around the stadium. It's not hard to spot who's, on, who's for which team, is it? They, they're, they're proud to let them know who they're for. I mean, I saw Bob the other day running around town wearing a big old Raiders jersey. I said, hey, well, there we go. He's a Raider fan. And I, I see several of you wearing, sometimes coming to church, wearing your 49er ties and different things. But that's not, that's not primarily what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about being, I'm not talking about the external. I'm talking about conducting our lives in agreement with the Word of God, which the Holy Spirit, do you hear me? The Holy Spirit will reveal to others. I don't, I don't prove I'm a Christian because I wear my hair a certain way or because I wear a certain cut of clothing. I don't prove I'm a Christian because of that. Because anybody can cut their hair that way. Anybody can wear a certain style of clothing, right? You see, the Holy Spirit reveals in the hearts and minds of others those that are, that are in agreement with God's word. So we, we need to learn to, 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 to live our lives in agreement with the Scripture. And if our opinions or if our philosophies do not agree with the Word of God, then change them. Not the Word of God, but our philosophies. The problem is, far too many people take the time to study. We li- you, know, you realize we live in a generation... Uh, they, everybody wants to see it on a video now. Is there, is there a YouTube video that will show me how to do this? Is there a YouTube video I can go to so I can see how to live the Christian life? See, we've gotten lazy. Okay? I mean, it's, I'm sorry, but we've gotten lazy in America. Too mu- we, we, we spend too much time on the Internet, on our cell phones, and on the TV to open the Word of God... And, and, and pray and study and let the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts and minds. You know, I was, I was telling someone at work the other day, if I was ever going to attack America, I'd do it in the middle of the day and not do it from the air. You know why? Because everyone will be like this. And nobody's going to see you coming overhead to attack them. We, we, we fail to agree, our lives fail to, to magnify God because we haven't given God a chance to teach us. We come to one hour of church a week and whatever is told to us there, we forget by the time we get out the door because we've we got to hurry up and check our, our, our text messages. Did that package come from Amazon yet? What's the hold up here? What, the bank didn't deposit my check yet? What's going on? Now, 
we, our lives will magnify God if God is important in our lives. Spend time, take time to, to, to study the Bible. Take time every day of the week to, to read and to meditate upon the Word of God. Pray and ask that God would reveal to you the truth of His Word, that God would strengthen you in your heart and mind so that you can glorify Him at every turn in your life. If we are in agreement with the doctrines of Christ, our life will show it by our agreement. Then secondly, our life, letter B, should be submission. Right in that blank, the word submission. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Paul writes, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Um, I, I had a thought when I read this, and I wrote this down. Jesus gave all of himself to me. And God does not want only a part of me. He wants all of me. And he wants all of you. See, what happens far too often is people, they say, okay, God, I'll give you Sunday morning from 10 o'clock till whenever pastor stops preaching, which we all know is changing daily, till 2 o'clock. But you can have that part of me, but that's all you get. And when we go to work during the week, we, tell, we, we laugh at the dirty jokes. We even tell some ourselves. We cheat on the job. We skim, we skim time here and there and cheat our employers. We conduct our week. We lie. We manipulate. We do all the things that further our, our agenda along. And then on Sunday, we show up again at 10 o'clock. And we say, okay, God, you got me for two hours again. And that's it. God doesn't want just part of you. He wants all of you. He wants every moment of every day. Now, understand we have to work. Understand we, unfortunately, we have to go to work and we have to earn money to pay our bills and, and be, be, be upstanding citizens and pay our taxes and pay our tithes and all these other things. But even in those moments, we still, we still need to conduct ourselves in and for Christ. Submission. God wants all of us. The reality is we are so far from what God expects today that we do not even know how to get back to being in the right place. Now, this, this won't be a popular statement. And, and I'm talk, I, believe me, I'm preaching to myself. But none of us in this room are what we ought to be. And if you're sitting there and you're thinking you are what you ought to be, then you just prove the point. We are so far from where God expects us to be. Man was not created to pursue careers. He was not created to amass possessions. He was not created to seek entertainment. We were created to love, serve, 
and glorify God. And if we think we can get that done in just one short half a day a, um, a week, then we fail, we fail to see the whole point of everything that we are and everything that we do. And, and again, folks, I'm not standing here saying I've arrived at this. I'm preaching to myself right now. I hope you realize that. And it's hard for me to say this because I'm, I'm the same way. But until I'm willing to admit that, and until I'm willing to look at myself and realize, Lord, I'm not at all what you want me to be. I'm never going to start on the road to fixing it. Paul said that we're to give our, our bodies to Christ, we're to, we're to present ourselves a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, He's, and he called it our reasonable service. A reasonable service. Is it unreasonable that God should ask us to, to sacrifice our lives to him? I mean, think about what he did for you. I was talking to a young lady at work the other day, and she, she's gone through some difficulties. She's a Christian. And I told her, I said, listen, your problem right now is you're focusing on this life. You're focusing on now. Get your eyes off of this life and look at what is waiting for you in heaven. Now, if God calls upon us to suffer on this earth, if he calls upon us to sacrifice on this earth, it's a small price to pay for what he's prepared for us in glory. And Jesus said, for where your, your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And I told her, don't put your treasure on this earth. Put your treasure in Christ. And then, then your heart will follow your treasure. This world is just my home. I'm, it's not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's golden shores, and I just can't feel at home in this world anymore. We're here to glorify Christ. We're here to glorify the Father. We're here to worship Him and serve Him. And whatever He calls upon us to do, do it with joy, do it with gladness, keeping your heart and mind fixed on the eternal life that God has prepared for you. Submit. I, I've heard people say, well, I, God knows that I have to work and take care of my family. Well, I agree, but don't use that as an excuse to lie, cheat, or steal your way through life. Some would say, well, I, I would do more for Christ, but I'm just too busy. Well, to that I say God commanded us to love him above all and to place nothing before him. If you're too busy, if you're too busy for God, you're too busy. Time to let go of some things and replace them with Christ. Don't make excuses. See, see that's, that's what men do. We make excuses. When we're confronted, when God's word or a preacher confronts us with something like this, we start making excuses. Well, I know that, but... Watch out for those billy goats. But... My grandpa used to tell me this. He used to say, 
An excuse is only a reason wrapped up in a lie. In other words, what he's saying is, boy, there's more fiction to what you're telling me than there is fact. Now again, please, don't get mad at me. I'm I'm preaching to myself right now. Because I need this probably more than anyone else here. But don't you understand we are not what we think we are? We're not what we think we are. And, and we need to see ourselves as we are in order to improve ourselves. Don't explain, what, explain why we don't do, just, just do it. My, my dad used to tell me when I, when I did something wrong, I'd say, Dad, I'm going to. He'd say, ah, stop right there. Don't tell me what you're going to do, just go do it, and I'll see it. And, that, and that's what we need to do. We need to stop talking about what we're going to do and just go do it. Stop talking about, well, I'm going to attend more church next year. Don't, don't talk about that. Just, just do it. Just be there. I'm going to do this for Christ next year. Don't talk about it. Just do it. Just do it. And then letter C on your sheet, and I'll be done, is the word harmony. Harmony. Psalm 119, verse 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Jesus promised us a peace that passes all understanding. You see, when we understand the word of God, and when we are in agreement with that word, and when we submit to that word, we find a peace a harmony, if you will, that defies understanding. Jesus said in John fourteen twenty seven, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We have a peace when we... When we when we understand this, when, when we're taught through our, our doctrine, when we're taught the truth of the Word of God, we find confidence, we find courage, we find help in time of need, we find strength. And, and that enables us to, to live our lives in agreement with the principles of God's Word. That enables us to submit to the to the expectations of God the Father and lends itself to a life of harmony with Christ. A life at peace. Think of Job. Job was a just man. The Word of God says he was a just man. And Job endured great hardship, great suffering, great sorrow. But he did it with the right spirit, with the right heart, and with the right attitude. Boy, I, I, don't, know that, I don't know if I could do that. I, 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 I hope I could, but I don't know. But I do know this, that if I am truly in agreement with and surrender to the word of God, I know that my life will be at peace regardless of what's happening around me. 
no matter how much trouble I face on every side, if my heart and mind are in harmony with God, I will have great peace. Because nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. In this materialistic world, nothing else matters but Christ. In all these things, God is magnified in my life. There are many in this world that are following false doctrine. And though they really believe that they are doing that which pleases God, in reality, they are not. And we have false teachers running around telling us that we are. We have false teachers running around telling us that God wants to make you rich. And that God wants you to have only good things. But that's not true. That's not true at all. And we need to understand that this life is filled with hardships and heartaches and heartbreaks. But there is great peace to those that love the law of God and nothing shall offend them. What about us today? What about, what about Berean Baptist Church? Does our doctrine, does our teaching here magnify the name and person of Christ, or does it, does it serve to glorify and exalt the individual man? Listen, we do not preach and teach on the issues of the day. We do not teach and preach selective sections of Scripture. At Berean, we teach and preach the entire counsel of God. And it is this that I need, and it is this that you need, if we are to grow in Christ. Praise God that here in this place, we teach and preach the true word of God without apology and without compromise. Praise his holy name. Well, folks, that's all I have time for. Thank you for coming this morning, and uh, God bless you. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronit Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronit Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.